Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. All right, everybody, we want to welcome you. This is the Global Watch International Call. We're in the midst of time changes, so it's all you guys got to you got to be right on it to be up with what's going on. It is March seventeenth, twenty twenty three, five p.m. Jerusalem time. This hour is Shabbat. Today's Shabbat is led by our very own Denise Peters. And uh, Denise, I'm just going to pray a blessing over you, and then you can we'll turn it over to you. Father, I just thank you for Denise. Just bless her in the name of the Lord. Denise is one of those people who is another one who is an Esther. And for this, that God has called you, we believe, for such a time as this. And we just declare his wisdom over you, wisdom and revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him. And Denise, we just declare God's favor surrounds you as with a shield. We just declare that 2023 is going to be the best year that you have ever had in your life and your ministry. And there's going to be great breakthrough. And uh, no weapon formed against you or your family will prosper. We just declare that God has put a wall of fire around you, that no harm would come to you, no destruction near your tent. And uh, we just declare that the joy of the Lord is your strength today. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right. Amen. So amen. go ahead. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. Shabbat Shalom to many, some already entering in. For those of us, we still have some hours to go, but it, this helps me get focused toward the sunset. So I love that it comes earlier in the day for me. It's me motivated toward that day of rest. So before I share just a little bit with you today about the Shabbat, I'd like to just play a song for you. So if you find yourself at a hectic spot, take a deep breath and amen. Yes, Lord, we come to worship you this day as we enter into the Shabbat. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for this day that you created and that you set aside and that you hallowed and you made sacred. Father, I pray that you just, that we just enter in with you right now as we share together and partake communion with you on this day. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor is due you in your Son Yeshua's name. Amen. Just quickly wanted to just share with you, many of you may know that there is a psalm dates back to the temple times that the Levites would sing after the morning sacrifice. And there was one psalm given for each day. And there's lots of other psalms attached to Passover and Hanukkah and the particular psalms that are read. But these seven psalms culminate on Shabbat with Psalm 92. But I wanted to quickly, and you can just jot these down and maybe take time to look at them later, because I want to end on Shabbat. So I'm going to start with Sunday's psalm. We had this beautiful time, and I'm going to, I'm going to end our time talking about the Shabbat and the beauty of it and the fact that it is sacred time. But we move into, we come out of this gorgeous time, this wonderful time of Shabbat with the Lord. And we move into our first day of the week, Sunday. And Psalm 24 is the psalm that is read that day. And it's the psalm that is read that day. And 
and I love the beauty of it. And as I pondered, I'm not going to read each Psalm, but as I pondered these Psalms, I think you're going to see this travel through the week that is mankind's some days, some weeks we do it better than others, but it, I think it just shows you what we deal with spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally as we work through the week back to the Shabbat. I think most of you know this too, that with the Shabbat, our eyes are always on Shabbat. So when we exit out of Shabbat on Sunday, the blessing is Hayom Rishon Le Shabbat. In other words, this day is the first day toward Shabbat. So every day, even when we leave the Shabbat, we're counting up to the next Shabbat, which it, I used to, when I didn't comprehend that, it can make for a very wayward week. But if we keep our eyes focused, and I think the Psalms help us do that. And so we come out of Shabbat, and the very first thing we see in Psalm 24 is, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. So we step out of the Shabbat as we enter into our work week, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a day that we gather with assembly in the Western church, but we're already exclaiming that this world we're walking into out of the Shabbat is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to him, getting ourself right focused. And in verse, verse three, it says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? So already on the first day of the week, we are focused on climbing that mountain back to Shabbat, on being in his presence. And what does it take for us to get there, for us to make it through the week? Then in verse 7, 7 through 10 in verse 24 is those beautiful passages about open up you ancient doors, open up you ancient gates and let the king of glory make that the king of glory may come in. So even on our very first day, we walked out of Shabbat, we're walking now into a, a more, more or less a more hectic time of a six day week. And maybe Sunday's not hectic for you. Maybe you work Monday through Friday, but for whatever reason, we've walked out of this beautiful, quiet time with the Lord. And now, but the very first thing off our lips is everything belongs to you and a messianic cry. Lord, come, open up the gates and come, come Yeshua, come. So even as we stand on the edge of our week, we're saying, oh, I long for the Shabbat, not only now, but eternally. So it, it keeps us right focused. The very next day, the second day, again, we would say that blessing for today is the second day toward Shabbat is, is the Psalm 48. And in Psalm 48, it starts out by how great is the Lord and how deserving of our praise. And the focus of 48 is Mount Zion, the holy mountain, high and magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. And it said, God himself is in Jerusalem's towers, revealing himself as a defender. Keep that particular verse in, in mind, that God himself is in Jerusalem's towers as her defender. So as we move into that first day of the work week for many people, we have not lost our focus. We have not lost our focus on Jerusalem being the place of the final restoration, the place of the beauty and the, the most elaborate display of God's defense will be put on display there in Jerusalem. And so as we claim him to be Jerusalem's defender, we enter into our week knowing that he is our defender. And it goes on and just says, 
in verse 12, go inspect the city, walk around and count the many towers that you may describe this to future generations. And I have a heart for Gen Z. And so I think our focus should always be that we ask the Lord to give us those opportunities to, to disciple Gen Z in what the Lord is doing in these days and where all of this is heading. We step into Tuesday and it's Psalm 82. And what's interesting as we get to Tuesday, we start, we start calling God the judge of the earth. We start saying, we start, our eyes begin to see the oppression of people in the world, those who are marginalized in society, the poor, the widow, the orphan, those who have been cast out of society, who aren't considered valuable to society. So the Lord, again, is focusing us back on what James says, what is called real faith. And that is taking care of the widow, the orphan. So even as we enter into the meat of our week, we don't forget that our call is to be the hands and feet of Yeshua to the oppressed in society. And they're all around us. People are hopeless, even in our workplaces. People are despairing um, all around us. And it goes on and says, how long, Lord, are you going to let these unjust decisions be handed down? So now we've walked into Tuesday and we're beginning to see just how it's like a child growing up and at about age six or seven, they begin to be a little fearful because they begin to see the world for how it really is. And so when we walk into Tuesday and it, but it says the whole may be shaken to its core but you, God, will judge the earth and all the nations belong to you. In other words, a reminder that no matter how shaking things get in our week, how shaking things are on the world horizon, that the Lord is the ultimate judge and he is coming to judge the world. Then we get right to that day that we like to call hump day. Wednesday is Psalm 94. And in Psalm 94, we are in the I call this the middle of the week where I'm like, this is where I really start longing for the Shabbat. We, again, our blessing would be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is the fourth day toward Shabbat. And it starts out, oh Lord, the God of vengeance, let your glorious justice shine forth. And then it goes on and says, you people, you who are deaf to the Lord, don't you know he made your ears? You who are blind, don't you know he's the one who formed your eyes and that he knows the people's thoughts far off? And it's a fairly long psalm. And it's one of those psalms, kind of like Psalm 73, where the first part is just lamenting on how the wicked seem to be prospering. And then David takes a turn and says, oh, but when I entered into your temple, when I entered into your presence, when I entered into your sanctuary, I understood. And so in verse 22 of Psalm 94, it says, but the Lord is my fortress. My God is the mighty rock where I hide. He will turn the sins of evil people back on them. And so we're reminded again that no matter how evil and how the darkness seems to pervade our lives more when we're in the middle of the week, we've four days away from Shabbat, we're four days <laughs> closer to Shabbat. And we just need to be reminded that in all of this, he is our fortress. And then we go to Thursday and Thursday is Psalm 81. 
again, I would, I'm going to encourage you to ponder these Psalms, not just read them daily, but maybe ponder them as to why they're in the, in the course that they're in. But Thursday, I love this because we're turning the corner. Thursday is really a preparation day for me instead of Friday. Thursday, I make sure that I have my groceries. I make sure that I, I get all the little tedious errands run that I need to do so that on Friday, I'm not having to leave the house a whole lot. I may need to. I really want Friday to be a day, not only of maybe physical preparation, which is not as important as the spiritual preparation of entering into the Shabbat. But on Thursday, we have sing praises to God, our strength, sing to the God of Jacob, beat the tambourine, sing, play the sweet lyre and the harp. And it goes on and said, he was just talking about blowing the ram's horn. And he says, I heard an unknown voice say, now, now I will take the load from your shoulders and I will free your hands from their heavy task. You cried to me in trouble and I answered you. He's talking about a time with Israel in the wilderness. But I love how he's already telling us Shabbat is coming. I'm going to take the load off. Go ahead and begin laying down your bags now. Get yourself prepared for the Shabbat. Don't carry the weight of the world into Friday afternoon. And uh, so anyway, he talks about it in the verse 16, I would feed you with the finest of wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. So he's saying, if you'll listen to me, if you'll begin to lay down your burdens, lay down your toil. And I love how Jewish sages say toil is not from God. Labor is from God and toil is from the curse. And so we want to begin laying down and slowing down our labor and moving toward, I know sometimes it's not physically possible for people that have a busy week, but then Friday, we get to Friday, and which is today, and the day before we enter into the Shabbat. And I love this. We've turned the corner. We've walked through the world. We've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. We've walked in the shadows of the darkness of this world, even though we've been a light to the world. And I pray that we always are. Psalm 93 says, the Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The Lord stands firm and cannot the world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from everlasting past. So here we are on Friday. We begin to set the, we begin to put our eyes back on the throne room. We begin to proclaim that he is king. He's been king over our life all week long. We've claimed him as our fortress. We've claimed him as our refuge. We've claimed him as the judge of the darkness that we see. We've, we've sung in the midst of our trials and in the midst of our labor, we've sung to him and proclaimed him and exalted him. And now we get to Friday and we prepare ourselves to enter into the Shabbat. And then of course the Shabbat Psalm, many of is Psalm 92, just turn a page back and it's Psalm 92. And it is the only Psalm in the scripture that is designated for a day. There have been Psalms that are now attached to Passover and attached to Hanukkah and attached to Shavuot and many other of the Lord's appointed times. But this Psalm is the only one appointed, written down and recorded as appointed for a song to be sung on the Sabbath day. And it starts out, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is to good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, 
accompanied by a 10 stringed instrument, a harp and the melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. And I sing for joy because of what you have done. Oh, Lord, what great works you do and how deep are your thoughts. And it goes on and we're reminded that the evil will perish. But then verse uh, down to verse 13, I think of Psalm 27, 4, right? That one thing I've asked of the Lord and that I will seek, that I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever in his presence to behold his beauty and inquire in his temple. In verse 13 of 92, it says, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, and I like to be reminded of this, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. And I hope as you take some time to read through these Psalms, as I pondered them this week, I just began to look at them again as a whole unit. And as I've tried to mention to you, I see us descending from the Shabbat down into the valley of the world, doing our labor, moving through, doing the works of the Lord, wherever he's called us. And then I, I see us on Thursday, begin this ascent back up to the mountain of the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart, as we read in the very first Psalm of the week. And as I pondered that, I was looking at some, just looking at some of the writings of the Jewish sages. And this is actually from a contemporary scholar. And I loved, she puts into work what I'm trying to say to you. So I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs. This is from Miriam Glazer, Miriam Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R. And it's something that she's written on the Psalms of Jewish liturgy. She sees a demanding process of these seven Psalms that keep us on our toes all week. We begin the week with Psalm 24, which offers a robust and exhilarating welcoming of Adonai into our world. However, by Monday, the mood was, has shifted entirely to the problem of God sometimes feeling far away and the world feeling entirely broken. Everybody talks about, oh, Monday's coming. So she's not so unfamiliar with that. And God taunts earthly judges in Tuesday's Psalm. How long will you pervert justice? How long will you favor the wicked? And by the time we get to Wednesday in Psalm 94 in the middle of the week, Glazer continues, we are right at the heart of the evil in the world, and we are right at the heart of our own shortcomings. Then Psalm 81, the Psalm for Thursday, offers a turning point for us as we come closer to the Shabbat. Now God begins to respond to our cries. In distress you called and I rescued you. I answered you from the secret places of thunder. That's out of Psalm 81. By Friday, she notes a true transformation has occurred. Not only do we celebrate God's reign in our universe, but we declare our love for God's law and God's ways. As 93 declares, your decrees are indeed enduring. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for all times. And by Shabbat morning, Glazer concludes, we have reached a sense of spiritual and existential security and a reassuring, gentle, and beautiful promise. Going through the week then is like going through the furnace of human life into the beauty of God's majestic light. I thought she just put that so beautifully. And I want to say this. All of this brings me to Isaiah 30, 15, before a few more comments on Shabbat. 
Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Listen to these. We've heard this a thousand times, but listen to it in terms of the Sabbath. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be rescued, will you be saved. And quietness and confidence is your strength. And I think Isaiah 30, 15 really sums up that walk through the week, that walk through the Psalms of the week into the beauty of Sabbath. I don't know if any of you, many of, I don't know how many of you have read Abraham Heschel, the Sabbath. It's a must read. It, he's not a believer, but it's one of the most beautiful books read on, written on the Sabbath, Abraham Heschel. Let me stick that in the let me stick that in the chat real quick. And it's just called the Sabbath. He's no longer here. In fact, his daughter, I think, in the newest edition of it, she has done a forward in it. But there's several things that he talks about in the Sabbath that, that are very important. First of all, I want you to think about the Sabbath. It's unmarred by images. Okay. It's there's not an image of the Sabbath. Think about the tabernacle, think about the temple, think about the articles and the actually things that are in space and time within the tabernacle and temple. And yet Sabbath, as Heschel says, is something I've quoted all my, all these years, is Sabbath is a sanctuary in time. It's a sanctuary in time that God has created. And it has, it's unmarred by images and it's also unhampered by geography. You can keep the Sabbath in a prison cell. You can keep the Sabbath on the moon. You can keep the Sabbath in your home, in a car. Sabbath is not, it's not hampered by geography and it's not adulterated by any image that we can conjure up. I think, I think, just think about that for a minute. When you think about man-made holidays, today, what is St. Patrick's Day? And oh, oh, how I wish the world knew the story of Patrick and him selling himself into slavery to take the gospel to people that hated him. Um, but St. Patrick's Day, when you say that, it conjures up all kinds of images, doesn't it? The word Easter conjures up all kinds of images. But the Sabbath is unmarred by images. It's like the Lord just, he created something that nobody could put into space in a particular way. And I want to say that through the week, we are moving through space and time, but the only control we have truly is over space. We are tuning, we are re revisiting, we are mastering our space, whether it's workspace, whether it's family space, whatever, but we really have no master mastery of time. I know there's people that think they do, but there is no mastery of time. Think about it. You can't change the fact that the clock is ticking right now and we'll be done at the top of the hour. Okay, the top of the hour is coming no matter what we do. And so there is a difference between sacred space and sacred time. And the Jewish sages say that Moshe, that the temple and the tabernacle designed in the heavenlies, the blueprint given to Moses by the Lord himself still was consecrated by man. 
Think about that. The Lord gave Moshe the regulations, the rituals, the exact way to consecrate with blood that which is designed in the heavenly. But the Sabbath was consecrated by God himself. It was sanctified by God himself. No man sanctifies the Sabbath. And I like to say, just you stepping into the Sabbath doesn't sanctify it. It's sanctified whether you step into it or not. It's consecrated whether you step into it or not. It is God's sacred time whether you want to enter into it or not. I like to say we don't capture the Sabbath. The Sabbath captures us. When we step into it, we step into God's time capsule. The pagan worship, what I love about the fact that when Israel does come out and we're fixing to enter into the Passover season, when Israel comes out of Egypt and he reminds them, keep the Sabbath. Egypt had a 10-day week, okay? So Israel was not able to keep the Sabbath during their time of slave slavery. And so the Lord reminds them again, I set this time aside. You're going to be my people. The Sabbath is going to be my marriage ring. It's going to be my sign of who you are to me by you keeping the Sabbath because pagan worship relied on sacred space. There was a place that the God was. There, there were elements of nature, right, applied to the sun god, the moon god, the river god, the rain god. There were elements of nature. But when it comes to Sabbath, the moon doesn't even dictate Sabbath. The new moon and the cycle of the moon does not even dictate Sabbath. Sabbath is a consecrated time by God that the natural elements can't even dictate like they do in the pagan world. So the Sabbath needs no sacred space. You can make your home a sacred space, but Sabbath doesn't need a sacred space. It does not rely on that cycle of the moon. It really is otherworldly. And those of you who have stepped into that, I think you could ponder that and agree. So the Lord himself hallowed that time. And so all week we move in our capacity as his image bearers in space, working in space, appointments we go to at a doctor's office, things we do in our house. Think about it. Everything, even the creative things we do, deal with space, deal with space in time. So Shabbat calls us to that sanctuary in time that really transcends space. And I want to say this, it's not so much how you observe the Sabbath, and I say this especially for our Gentile, Gentile believers, because a lot of people walking in the calendar of God, which I believe we need to be doing because it's his redemptive calendar and it's his end of days calendar. But what, how do I keep the Shabbat? There's a lot of rabbinical Judaism around the way Orthodox Jews keep the Shabbat, good, bad, or indifferent. You can study that on your own. I don't think we need to get so caught up in how we observe it, but that we observe it, that we step into it. And I want to encourage you, maybe maybe Saturday you work half a day or there's things you have to do on Saturday. I always tell friends that want to step into it, just take Friday evening and just really come to a time of rest with your husband or your family or your children, or if you're single with some friends and just welcome the Lord's sacred time of rest and read the Psalms, sing some songs, and worship Him, 
and just enter into that time. And so I tell people if they have to even do it in increments as they learn to give him more of their Saturday, please, there's no condemnation in Yeshua. Please don't get called up. If you begin to look at rabbinical Judaism and say, that's how I need to keep the Shabbat, you're going to find yourself striving. And Shabbat is not about striving. It's about entering into his rest. And I know that on Global Watch and many other calls I've been on, the focus is the days we're living in, we have got to function from that incredibly otherworldly rest to be able to function six days of the week in the world we're in to be his disciple makers, to be his intercessors, to be his watchmen. I mentioned on a call, I guess it was this past Monday, that if you find yourself overwhelmed, oh, and I know every one of you have, overwhelmed by the headlines, overwhelmed by the news, overwhelmed by the next natural disaster, if you find yourself in not knowing how to pray, then you've stepped out of his rest. Because he has an assignment for you. One of those headlines is for you and not for me. And so if we're living in that Shabbat rest as we walk out into the rest of our week, we won't become overwhelmed. We'll keep our eyes on the king who is coming to Jerusalem, who is coming back through those ancient doors, who is indeed the judge of all the earth and all the nations are his inheritance and all things belong to him and keeping our focus on that. In closing, I do want to say this, the Sabbath, and this is something Abraham Heschel said, the Sabbath is not created to improve your efficiency for the rest of the week. I know a lot of people that enter into that rest and say, I'm resting up so I can be even better next week. I can be even stronger next week. He gives us those blessings, but you might be walking into a storm next week you know nothing about. How uncertain are times with our families? How uncertain are times with our friends in workplaces? And if we haven't learned that in the last three years. So it's the Sabbath is about him. It's not about you. The Sabbath is you saying, you are creator. You are creator. Every breath I take is from you. Every bit of accomplishment that I do during the week is of you. Every opportunity you give me is of you. You know, that scripture that says, teach me to number my days that I might present to you a heart of wisdom. That is what we want. We want to number our days each week, coming to the Sabbath and exiting the Sabbath, always with our eyes on the eternal Sabbath that is our blessed hope, that is the promise that's given to us as his children, his sons and daughters of the kingdom. And so know that rest on Sabbath is an otherworldly, internal, spiritual rest that, yes, it's going to help carry you through the next week but it's not to make you more productive. It's not. If anything, it's to transform us and prune us and refine us and make us more like him. Maybe if the one thing it does do, maybe we'll look more like Yeshua on, Monday, on Sunday because we've spent that time in his presence, beholding him. Because Psalm 27, four is key. When we come into his presence, it's not about always inquiring. It says first that we would behold the beauty of the Lord. 
Sabbath is about beholding the beauty of the Lord, beholding his creation, spending time with your family. Make some phone calls to some elderly friends of yours that don't get out much. Make that your day to just love on people like he loves on us. And you'll just, you'll find you look forward to it even more because of you. Sabbath doesn't need to look like the other six days of the week. If I can give you one word of wisdom, whatever you've done six days of the week, Sabbath doesn't need to incorporate that. And I know as intercessors and I know as watchmen that we love, we're called to intercede. It's, it's that yoke of Yeshua that he's given us. But on Shabbat, I'm going to be so brave to say we don't battle on Shabbat. We rest in him. If a heavy headline comes through, I say, I just say, Lord, I rest in, first of all, I'm not looking at the headline, so I don't know about it until Saturday night, but rest, rest in the Lord that he is watching over all the earth. He neither, neither slumbers nor sleeps. He who keeps Israel, his eyes are to and fro over the land. He is looking all around the world for those of us who would stand in the gap, but he's also looking for thus us who will come and behold his beauty in his sacred sanctuary of time. And so I just encourage you that if you haven't stepped into the Shabbat, that you would begin to ask the Lord, Lord, just teach me how to come into the Shabbat. Just teach me how to come into the Sabbath and, and to sit with you and to worship you and to praise you for all that you've done. And let me just come and it be about you today about you and the love you pour out through me to others. And I know a lot of people spend their Sabbath. That's their day of really reaching out to other people. That's their day to go feed those who come to soup kitchens. That That's, Yeshua brought that up many times. Are we going to be about the love of the Father? And sometimes that might be the only day that you have that you can really lavish the love of the Father on the oppressed and the marginalized and the desperate in our society. Any, it, before we do our, I hope you have your elements for the Shabbat, your bread and your juice. Are there any, I appreciate, I saw a lot of the comments coming through on chat. Yes, I agree with you. It's, be still and know that he is God. Cease striving. We know that that verse means cease striving. We need to not be striving. So if you need to quickly get your elements together. Denise, as people are doing that, I have a question for you. I may, sure. have, missed, may have missed this at the beginning, but when you related those seven Psalms to the Shabbat, where did that knowledge or that understanding, where does that come from? That's a really good question. As I as I've researched it, it in the Mishnah, okay, in the Mishnah, which is doesn't the Mishnah wasn't around in the time of Yeshua. The Mishnah says it these were being done during the time of the temple standing. So honestly, I can't tell you they were being done at the time the temple was standing because the Mishnah was re, re, it was written later, but it was written as if they put a lot of things, they project a lot of things backward into history from the Mishnah because of the oral law, what they say the Lord gave them. So I wish I had a better answer for that, but I don't, I cannot find a historical document that says that the Levites did this after the morning sacrifice. So this is from the Mishnah, 
that I, and I appreciate you saying that because people need to know that this is from the Talmud. This is in the Mishnah that these seven Psalms were instituted during the time of the temple standing, the second temple period. Great. Thank you. It's fascinating. It's really, this is teaching like I've never heard before. So it's great. I love it. The Psalms are really beautiful. Every time I look at them differently, like if you just read, if you read them each day, as you move through your week, I read the Psalms every day. I read through the Psalms every month. But if you read that particular Psalm and ponder where you are in the week, it's, ooh, this Psalm knows right where I am. <laughs> By Wednesday, I'm well aware of my shortcomings. <laughs> I'm aware of them every day, but by Wednesday after the Shabbat, I'm real aware of them. Ooh, I was going to say, I, I'm aware of my shortcomings every day. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay. Everybody got theirs. So I'm going to start with the bread. Father, we thank you for the bread of life. Father, we thank you that you not only give us physical bread to eat, but more than that, you give us your word that we can feast on and find fulfillment, be satiated. Um, Shiva, the seven, that means satiated, that we can be completely satisfied because of your word. And your word is the bread of life. John tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And so, Father, we thank you for the bread of life, the word of life. And we thank you that Yeshua came and was willing to be broken for us, to give his life that we might know what real life and abundant life is. And that we might have deposited in us the Holy Spirit that breathes that life anew and afresh as we give it opportunity. Lord, we pray. Baruch Atai. Eloheinu melech haolam, hamotzi lech haaretz. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brought forth the bread from the earth. We thank you for your resurrection. We take the cup. Had a friend paint me a special Shabbat Shalom wine glass. <laughs> so it comes out on Shabbat. Father, it is the blood of the lamb. Revelation 12, 11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the testimony of Yeshua, and by not loving our lives unto death. Father, all of that whole three sections in that verse testify of blood, testify of us being willing to die to ourselves and to be new creations in Yeshua because he died for us. We thank you that the blood speaks the better word. We thank you that the blood is fresh on the mercy seat daily. And we thank you that the blood has indeed crushed the enemy. And Father, we thank you for that ultimate day of redemption, Lord, when that will be fulfilled in its fullest with the salvation of your people, Israel, and the fullness of the nations coming to you. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that it was shed for us. And because of it, we can be overcomers the six days of the week as we walk into your Shabbat. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. I thank you, Father, for the forgiveness of sins, that no matter our failures, you are faithful and just if we will ask and repent to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us and make us whole and righteous and blameless again before you. Thank you that the blood indeed does that for us, Father, and sets us 
in the righteousness of Yeshua before you, our Father, in the throne room of heaven. Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, borei pri hagafen. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth, who creates the fruit of the vine. I wish you all a Shabbat Shalom. Wish you all good rest, but more than anything, spiritual rest. Intercessors and watchmen need lots of spiritual rest. <laughs> so I pray that for you this Shabbat. And thank you for joining. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you the beginning of the week on some the calls and the uh, on the walls as watchmen. Amen. Thank you, Denise. Let's just have Amy Winchester. Amy, do you want to just unmute yourself and just close us off in prayer? We're just, we're really thankful for this hour. And Denise, it was just a great teaching, a great explanation. And we're just, we're thankful for you. I just, I love it how in the Global Watch, we're, we're taking the things that we have and the understanding that we have from Yeshua. And we're, we're teaching each other. We're instructing each other. We're growing together in the Lord. And this is a very precious thing. And uh, you're a big part of that, Denise, and we're just we're very thankful for that. Go ahead, Amy, and just um, go ahead and close us off in prayer. I just want to thank you, Denise, for sharing this. And something that I read this morning was the sanctuary in Hebrew is mikdash. It is a set-apart space, a place of beauty, refuge, a place of rest, a treasured place. So the material required to make a space or place was ultimately the heart expressed in the free will offerings, the blessing. So our heart is to be that treasured space that the Lord inhabits. And I thank you so much for compelling us to see the importance of entering into Shabbat. You are bringing your church back to the Jewish roots that you established that you created and help us lord to be willing to divest ourselves things that we get so involved in we get so wrapped up in that we forget that i am your rest i am your sanctuary and i want to set up my presence in your heart so that will flow out to others so i thank you for today and i pray blessing on every person on this call as you are calling your bride lord we run to you we love you we worship you and we thank you for this time in jesus name yeah and all god's people said amen shabbat shalom everybody shabbat shalom shabbat shalom thank you denise thank you so much thank you